Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who think differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for nearly 15 years now. Today, I'm joined by lovely host, Allison Bedato. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm great, Kevin. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for being here today and having a good discussion with us for our Wealth Tactic Rebel listeners. Today, Allison and I are going to be talking about business strategy for building wealth. And Allison is a business strategist, the CEO of Adato Group, and push business training and mentoring. So she has a lot of background in business strategy, specifically with the kind of the wealth tactic rebel way of looking at things, which has to do with helping your business avoiding from going under because, you know, that's a bad thing. When we look at things with wealth tactic rebels, one of the ways we try to think about things is we look to try to avoid a loss first before we try to go chasing rates of return. Because when you first avoid that loss, you get a lot more to keep. You have a lot more in the long run, right? Makes sense. Business-wise, it's the same story. Allison, would you agree? Wholeheartedly. And that's actually the purpose behind my business is to help small business owners to not fail because the failure statistics of small businesses are quite staggering, both in Australia and in the US. An enormous number actually fail within the first few years. Do you know what that figure is? Is it something like 80% or...? Well, there's um, a variety, there are different numbers out there because some of them, which you'll see Mm -hmm. in quite reputable publications, and they talk about 80% and 90% even, but they include the little hobby businesses that never actually get off the ground. Oh, I see. But, you know, so an actual business, a small business, it's around about 50% within three years, about three to five years, and then those statistics actually climb to 70% within 10 years. I mean, if you really think about it, that's seven out of 10 of us. Right. Yeah, that's Um, that's a huge number. Oh, it's huge. And for me, I think that's families, that's entrepreneurs who've been really passionate about their business. They've put everything they've got into it. So the ripple effect of those losses is huge. So I really believe if we can turn that around, it's a huge step towards creating wealth. I agree. Because like you say, those statistics are alarming as far as the amount of business that go out. But with the ripple effect, when you think about how many people financially are impacted by that, it's a much, much bigger number. Huge. Yeah, huge. And also as a society, because if you're out of work and you're then getting, you know, government support and pensions and things like that, you suddenly you've gone from paying tax into the system to drawing from the system. So as a community, it affects us too. Yeah. But, you know, people have their homes attached to their business. Right. They lose that. So it had quite a profound impact on me when I first learned about it. And so... Yeah, actually, would you mind sharing a little bit with our Wealth Ethic Rebels? You're talking about the impact. Can you talk a little bit about kind of where you came from and what inspired you to do what you do today? 
Okay, so my husband and I set up our business, oh, 25 plus years ago, but we both worked as consultants. So he's an engineer and mm -hmm. I'd always been in training. So I would work in different places, but under the umbrella of our business as like contractors. And I loved my teaching and training. And then the engineering side of the business had explosive growth in about 2010. Like I would work on it part-time and I'd do all the books and all that sort of thing and yeah. business planning. And then in 2010, I actually quit my teaching career and I took over the business full-time. And so it really was explosive growth. And, you know, we were playing at the big end of town. There were big projects. And yeah. so I actually studied an MBA to make sure I had the skills that I needed to actually run the business properly. Yeah. And it was when I was doing an assignment for my MBA that I came across these statistics. And at first I actually thought I'd read wrong. Hmm. Right. Because it doesn't make it's sense. Yeah. Phenomenal. And, you know, like I said, I run a family business. So I was thinking how that would impact us and what's happening to all these families or young entrepreneurs who are losing everything. And yeah. of course, some of them don't lose everything. But, you know, the impact was if they can turn that business around and strategically grow it, the difference that has on families and communities and societies. Well, of course, that's huge, right? Because yes, even if you're saying someone didn't feel that much, they're going to feel it. Because if you put your heart and your soul into starting a business and then you lose it, that's right. I mean, it's like your world is gone. That's exactly right. And I've known people personally. And when, you know, ironically, so I studied the MBA. From there, I established Push because I wanted to work with small business owners to change those statistics. And then the mining and resources industry went bust. And I was very, very nearly one of those statistics myself, which was quite terrifying. Oh, and imagine. it was really, really terrifying. And so I got to really, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Well, that's good. You know, I mean, that's the best teacher, right? Oh, look, it's lovely now that I look <laughs> back and I can say, honestly, look, we were, you know, having a business near-death experience and right. we used strategies and we used, it's great to be able to have that firsthand experience, but it's horrendous for families walking that. And we knew other businesses that went under and their marriages collapsed and, you know, it's, yeah an enormous amount of pressure. So that side of my business, I'm extremely passionate about. I want to change statistics for small business owners. And strategically, I really believe that they can do that and they can build wealth because that, you know, that's another story. Even those that do survive, annual revenue of small businesses, the majority of it is quite woeful. Right. And there's the other problem too, correct? And probably that's a big contributor to why the businesses go out is if your revenue is not high enough for you to get a good profit, right? Oh, that's right. Well, so, something like, and I'm using the Australian Bureau of Statistics data that I accessed, something over 60% of small businesses, you know, earn less than 200000 in mm. revenue. Right, right. That's before rent wages, stocks, you know, insurance. Right. That's not wealth. No, you're right. And it's hard too, because those people are relying on that business. Most likely it's their only income source, yep. unless their significant other has a different job. It's probably their only income source. They're relying on that to feed their family, to save for mm. the future, for yeah. everything. 
And if they're only making a couple hundred thousand dollars, I mean, business is expensive to do. There's not much left at the end of the day. Yeah. What are they supposed to do with that? And they're probably working twice as hard as they were before they started the business, when they were just, you know, a nine to five. Yes. And it's really interesting because most entrepreneurs leave their job and establish a business for freedom. Right, right. That's why we do it. We want to be our own boss. We want to travel when we want to. Yeah. And for the amount of effort that most business owners put in, they should be creating wealth. Right, they should be. And I'm glad that, you know, someone like you has taken up this mantle because it's an important one and I can tell that it's meaningful, very meaningful to you. Yes. As I'm sure it is to our listeners. So it's something that will strike home to a lot of people. Can we talk a little bit about your formula, your small business formula for success? Yes. So what actually happened almost overnight, the mining and resources industry uh, where Vidotto Group operates, right? it just went bust. We lost 80% of our contracts in matters of weeks. It really was devastating. And the other 20% weren't far behind. Right, right. And like I said, a lot of people we knew were going under and we actually had the conversation that we might need to close the doors. So it, it was really dire straits. And, you know, a lot of times business owners will say, what is it that keeps you up at night? Well, not having the money to pay your staff and pay your bills and pay your mortgage will definitely keep you up all night. So I I knew that there was a way to turn it around. I just knew it and I just knew that I had to find it. And I'd studied neuroscience and so I was very much into the growth mindset and, you know, building resilience and changing strategies. So what I actually did, I took the Dotto Group, I put push on hold and I took the Dotto Group and I just pulled it apart. And I literally, it took me about nine months and I completely pulled it apart. I would work with the team so that we were all in the right mindset, that we weren't feeling defeatist, that, you know, we were all on the same page. We were determined to turn this around because that can have a huge impact on the survival and the chance of survival. So I knew we had to have that strong mindset. So that was sort of number one. And then I pulled everything apart and I identified six areas. And I knew that if I could get my business strong in those six areas, that we would be okay. I'm a real fact finder. You know, that's just the sort of person I am. So I'm always collecting data and things like that. So I really researched it and I found that most people I knew that had big problems and business owners that I'd worked with, the problems that they had fell into one of those six categories. And so from there, I put together this model and I identified in my business that there were a few of those six that we needed to really work on and particularly marketing for us, right? which is very difficult in the mining and resources industry. I can imagine. They're not downloading lead magnets and reading (laughs) e-books and... Probably not too often. (laughs) No. So I'd come up with a funnel that suited this industry, this niche, because we're a very niche industry within the mining and resources. But using this business model, I rebuilt it and we turned it around. And then we expanded and it's back up to a very healthy turnover. And Good. That's fantastic. Proof's in the pudding there, really. (laughs) So you were able to save your business and the jobs of many of your employees because of that. Yes. So 
Let's start talking about each of the areas. So the first one is self, correct? Yes. So I had done quite a bit of work in the leadership space. I've written a book on leadership and I knew that we were going to have to really steer the ship because we were in so much trouble. And so I really focused on self-leadership and I would share that with the team. We needed to be in the same mental space. We needed to be really proactive. Mm -hmm. We needed to have a growth mindset in how we approached it all. And we needed to be really sure on our vision and on the purpose of why we were doing what we were doing. Yeah. So that was all geared around the self and, you know, the internal goings on, you know, what we were thinking. And so that was really important. And then from there, I went to strategy. Of right. course, I'm a, you know, I love strategy. And so we looked at the actual, the overall strategic plans. And one of the things that I realized was that with this six-piece model, the first one is all about the self. The second one is all about strategy, and that's your business plans and your business model and yep. knowing where you're going to go or where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Yeah. And yeah. then from there, it was marketing. And like for us, marketing was a huge problem. So mm -hmm. for the past eight years, I've been studying marketing and I'm still, you know, I'm still in marketing masterminds and things like that. So I'm very passionate about marketing and I always have my finger on the pulse. Right. That. In my business, that's sort of a weaker link in the chain. Right. And because it's a little bit you challenging know, for your niche. It is for our industry. So we're very aware of it. And I'm, I have a strong social media or online presence, social media presence. I'm big on repurposing. We've got systems, which brings me to the next part, which is operations or systems, processes, procedures. Right, right. And so, and one of the things that I'm often saying is if it's worth doing a couple of times, it's worth having a system in place for which reduces yeah. the risk of error. Right. It increases productivity because yeah. you're not reinventing the wheel. Right, right. That's the fourth one. And I then think that's important for many businesses. I mean, it's all important. Don't get me wrong. But it's undervalued for a lot of people, I think, in their businesses. Yes. You can get through the other stuff first and you got to have the business, you got to have the marketing, you're in the right mindset. But you can spend so much time, and I'm just talking about myself personally here, because like with this podcast, and we talked about this before, is that you spend a lot of time just trying to figure out how to get things going. And if you're always just doing that and you don't have a clear process of doing it, you just waste a lot of time, hours. So true. And one of the things I found like, and that's why I call it. So I drew out this model and I had this, I think it was like 16 pages of a great big art block. So it was all over my kitchen bench. It just took over our life, you know, yeah, while I right. was growing this. And so I called it the success formula. Right. And that became being, this is going to turn things around. But what I found was those six areas are key. And it's interesting, you know, I have a Facebook group and that sort of thing. And I've got the questions that people answer to come in. Mm -hmm. I survey small business owners regularly and the top three you know, what's your most challenging issue? And it's usually money leads time. But it's amazing how often there are no systems in place. Right, right. So they have leads coming in the door, no problem. But they don't have any system in place to follow up with them, to nurture them, to take them through the system, to even sequence like upselling and collecting payments. So their problem is not leads at all. 
Their problem is systems. Right, right. Because while the systems, they get the lead that comes in, they're going to get some business out of it, but they're leaving a lot on the table because they don't have the processes to maximize that. Yes. I mean, I've worked with business owners that have actually had unpresented checks, thousands of dollars worth. Wow. I find that crazy. That's amazing. And they have an admin person that hasn't been following the procedure. And, you know, the seeing is a looking thing. They should have more money than this. But it's a check here, a check there. But if they'd had a system in place to monitor that, it would have shown up by unpresented check number two. But it was allowed to grow thousands of dollars. So each piece of the formula has a role to play. And the next one, of course, is finances. And interesting how often people don't know their numbers. They don't know the numbers that they should be aware of. Yeah, Yeah, and I can speak from that on the private side too. I think it goes on both sides. But people just don't know where the money's going and how much of it. They don't know the numbers of how it all fits together. Yes, and there's quite a significant number of businesses that fail that actually have money in the pipeline. They just can't stay solvent. Right, right. So they don't realize that they're in as much trouble as they are because they're doing the work. Do you see this a lot in things like in a company that grows too quick? Maybe they have a lot of money coming in, but they're trying so hard to expand to accommodate all that future business. Now they get all this overhead. They don't have the money yet. Yes, very much so. And they haven't been nurturing the clients because they're so busy expanding. And then the demand is no longer matching the supply because they haven't nurtured that part. Right. We had an interesting thing when my business had explosive growth and I first took over the business. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we work with big corporations. Yeah. You know, really big ones. And they had payment terms of like 90 days after invoice was submitted. Mm -hmm. Now, for us to take on a project, we would have a number of contractors who wanted payment within two weeks. Now, the contractors were earning tens of thousands of dollars each, and we're this tiny little family with a shortfall of hundreds of thousands of dollars that we couldn't possibly carry that sort of loss. So we identified this pretty quickly, and we went and spoke to the bigger corporations and said, we just can't survive doing this. We need to renegotiate those terms. And then we spoke to the contractors and said, this is the situation we're in. And we negotiated a little bit with them. But most of the bigger corporations actually significantly reduced them. But that was hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Mm. it could have actually sent us over the edge very quickly. Right. That's smart. I would assume a lot of people in your experience probably weren't aware that they could do something like that, negotiating with corporations and such. Absolutely. And it's interesting, some of the bigger corporations that we spoke to actually had a policy in place for small business. Oh, wow. That's really nice, actually. It's good to hear that. So it's just not, you know, it's not publicized. Right. It's not publicized, but yeah. That's right. But if you understand your own cash conversion cycle and what that cash flow, what it takes to maintain the cash to keep flowing, you can address issues before they become big issues. Right, right. That's a good thing. So that's a good tip right there for anyone who's doing business for yourselves. Yes. It's really knowing your cash flow cycle. Right. But that goes back to your process. Once you've studied it, you know your processes and you know your finances, you can go to those companies and say, look, this is how it's working. This is how my cash flows. 
How yes. can you and I work together to make sure that you can get paid and I stay in business? Yes. That's what they want, right? They want to get paid. So they're willing to work with you. Yes, 100%. And we were cognizant of the fact that our contractors are also small businesses with families. Right. You know, of so you're the bigger corporations that we really asked to come to the party. And of course, once you know your cash conversion cycle, it's also easier to talk to banks and other, you know, financial bodies. And if you say these funds are coming in, it's just the bridge in the middle and you can get even a decent overdraft mm. that will help you to weather that. But if you leave it till it's too late, you end up then in all sorts of problems. So knowing right, right. your numbers and your cash flow cycle is a big one. And then the last one is people. Right. And of course, you know, every business we can say we're B2B and all the rest of it, but it's all about people. Oh, you yeah, know, we're, absolutely. We're selling to people. We're relying on people. We're aligning with people. And ultimately, we're serving people. Correct. Yeah. And that's what a successful business is all about. The more value you can bring to people, the more yes. valuable your business, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And of course, the better you communicate with those people, then the better your business will do. Right. Because we buy from people that we like or we trust, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> yes. So that part, that portion is all about communication. And I do, like I've used disk profiling. I don't know if you know of disk. We've used that for quite a few years and it's great. And I use it, my whole team is aware of it. So you can adapt your communication style for who you're dealing with. Right. You know, so if somebody is very results driven and they're to the point and you know, they're sort of hard hitting and they want the data, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're not taking it personally. Right, right. You're not feeling that they're being rude or they're dismissing you. You see that more as their method of communication. Right. And so you're more comfortable just giving them the data. Right. Whereas if you're a bit more data driven yourself or results focused and you've got somebody that's chatting about the weather and the weekend and right. they're not waffling that's more their communication style yeah so yeah. you can adapt and it just makes for much better communication and of course then there's team building and there's all of that that goes with it right right that all makes sense and there's a lot of profiling systems out there Yes. I've used a couple myself and it can help. It can help you understand who you're talking to, how they relate. And it makes a big difference yes. in the conversation sometimes. Yes. I mean, you know, DISC is used by, you know, some of the biggest organizations in the world and there's a huge amount of research into it. Can you explain a little bit about what DISC is? Because some of our listeners might not know what that is. Okay, well, it's a, like a behavioral profiling system. So it's an acronym. The first, like if somebody is a D, so it's D-I-S-C. So a D is a driver. They're right. very driven. They're hard hitting. They want the results. They become yep. quite officious under pressure. It's right. just they're bossy and let's get it done. We need the results. Come on, right. come on. And then you have the I, which is the charmer, the influencer. So the natural born salespeople amongst us. Right. They can really communicate with you. They're very intuitive. They know how you like to communicate. So they're, right. they're very, very likable. 
A D is often a leader. They are driven. They right. want the results. And often they're your CEOs and your managers and, you know, they're hard hitting. And I, like, I always look for a high eye for a receptionist. Right, right. And somebody that is dealing and greeting people. Pleasant, good at communicating. Oh, very pleasant and, 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 and sunny. Like and, yeah. Yes, always sunny as people walk in. So, you know, they're great. So they're really great at communicating and putting people at ease. And then you have the S, mm -hmm. which they're very steady and they're great team players. They're great supporters. They don't want to be the leader. Right. But they're happy. They notice when somebody needs a hand and they're the person that will step in and give them the hand. They're great for building cohesive teams. And then the C, they are very data driven. Mm. A high C, our accountant is a high C. Right. And yes, <laughs> loves the detail, loves. So somebody that's doing heaps of like bookkeeping and data entry. Right. You're not going to put a high I in there. Right. No. You know, whereas no. A, a high C, they're okay working by themselves. They quite enjoy it. They like all the numbers and the details yeah, and yeah. the figures. Whereas a high I, given a job like that, they're chatting to the person next to them. You right. know, it, <laughs> You're yeah. just not going to do that. So I found it very, very useful. Right. I would assume that DISC, like some other ones, though, and it can be different levels. Someone could be a D and an S maybe, you know, different levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Know. I've given you a very superficial overview. And most people are at least two. Right, right. You Makes know, sense. that they have um, mm. those tendencies. But it's interesting. Like I said, I run all my team through it and even junior staff I would always run through it and they loved it and it like I said it, it was great because they were a lot more understanding mm. when people's communication styles were different to theirs right yeah I can imagine that would help I think that's again like I said before undervalued <laughs> yes useful and important tool that people could be using for yeah, their yes. businesses or even in their nine-to-five job I'm sure it could help them to understand their co-workers and oh absolutely better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I first encountered DISC working for another organization many years ago. They mm. used it, you know, with their different teams. Right. Okay. So we have the six key areas, the self, the strategy, the marketing, the process, finances, and people. Yes. So let's switch up a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about the key fundamentals that many businesses may not have in place. Yeah. So it's often strategy. Mm -hmm. That's often an area that gets a bit left behind and particularly when it comes to strategic planning, mm -hmm. which can have a huge impact because if you've got strong plans in place, it's very easy to stay on track. Right, right. You know, to stop getting distracted by the bright, shiny objects, because if you know where you're going, it's very easy to look and think, well, is that going to take me a step close to this? And oftentimes with business owners I'm working with, you know, they say, oh, I'm thinking of signing up for this course. And I'll say to them, well, okay, what's your goal right. for this year? And how is that going to help you? And they're sort of, oh, true, it's not. And of course, now it's just an absolute avalanche of bright, shiny objects out there. Right, We're right. being sold to, I don't know, what is 22,000 times a day or a minute or something. So there's so much there fighting for our attention. If we have a strong strategic plan in place, it's so much easier for us to keep maintain our focus right. so that our attention is not dragged away. Makes so sense. I think that's, a, yeah, a really important 
important aspect that's often missed. Marketing right. is an issue for many, many small business owners. Right, right. And of course, we're, you know, we're trying to be heard in a very noisy world out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think also along with that, you were talking about, oh, is this going to help you towards your goal? But there's also the, is it going to keep you working efficiently as possible? Because you could be spending a lot of time doing something that if you had the right system in place, someone else could yes. be doing. Oh, and then you could spend your time doing something else. A hundred percent right. It's so very true. I studied advanced leadership right. a few years ago, a number of years ago. And I think it was like an 18 month program or something right, like right. that. And my goal was when I started, my goal for the end of it was that I would be 80% leading my business and 20% managing my business. Right, right. And that's something I really try and maintain. Right. So I good. learn something, I teach someone, and I delegate. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm guessing you find a lot of people don't have that balance. They're probably spending far too much time just kind of working on the business, or should I say working in the business, doing the managing of the business, yes. and less time working on the business. Yes, Absolutely. And it's not possible. It's just not possible to be sitting doing those little day-to-day -day things right? and expanding and working right. on growing right, your business. Right, right. And I can imagine someone who's kind of a, using the disc, a D, really wants to get things done. If they don't have a process that they can trust and know someone else to get it done, they're trying to take on everything to make sure it all gets done. Right? Yes, Yes. I mean, I can so see true. where the mindset in there can kind of come in. <laughs> yes. And absolutely. And many, many small business owners, mm. of course, we love our business. Of course. Because we built it from this little idea. So nobody could know it as well as we do. So nobody right. could do it as well as we do. <laughs> right, you know? right. So, yeah. So it's actually having that mentality that if somebody can do it 80% as well as I can, I should not be doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I should be developing the next product. Right. Good tip. Good you know, tip. I need to be growing and they need to be doing. And of course, you know, in today's world, it's also very, very easy to get staff and virtual staff and yeah, yeah. to outsource things. There's Upwork and Fiverr and we can outsource yep. Yep. so many things. So it, it really is if you can actually go through and categorize, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm doing this task, am I a manager or am I a leader? Right. Is this growing my business or is it turning over my business? Right. And you need to have that you're 80% leading, 20% managing. Makes sense. So before we close out today, I'm going to ask you our Wealthetic Rebel value bomb. So, Allison, in your experience, what is something that our listeners could look to avoid and then something they can do about that? Okay, so avoid going under, please. <laughs> right. What you're doing is so valuable. One of my mentors says that entrepreneurs are going to change the world. I and I yeah. truly believe that. And so it's vital that you stay viable and that you build the wealth you deserve. You're working so hard and you deserve it. So stay in business. That's my number one. And the way you do that is you have a plan. And the plans don't need to be complicated mm. or convoluted, but you need to have plans. And mm. everything you're doing, everything you're doing in your business should be a part of those six key areas. Mm. And if it's not contributing to the goal of your business, stop doing it. Yeah. 
you know. So if I do a post for social media or I write a blog or I go for a meeting or I'm working on a book or I'm expanding my products, every single thing I do if I'm training my staff, it is contributing to my 12-month goal, my three-year goal, my five-year goal. Right, right. So identify your goals and go for them. Makes sense. Strategic plan so you can get those goals. Makes sense. I mean, we are wealth tactic rebels after all, so. <laughs> yes, get wealthy people. <laughs> wealth and tactics go together. <laughs> yes, they do. They Absolutely. definitely do. Absolutely. Yes. So, Allison, I appreciate you taking your time today to share your valuable knowledge with our listeners here. So is there anything you'd like to share with them? What I'd like to do, I have a couple of checklists sure. that people I work with have found really helpful. So I would just like to give them to people. One is a social media checklist mm-hmm. for actually identifying the areas to get your social media strategy working well for your marketing. Right. And the other one is a goal setting Um, checklist. Fantastic. For all the reasons we've been talking about. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's a good little freebie there for our listeners to get. Yes. And we're going to try to put that on our webpage for you to access or, you know, just reach out to us at wealthtacticrebels.com. Allison, I'm going to put your information on there. Anything else you want to share with our listeners about yourself? or They can find me very easily online, Allison Vidotto, just as it sounds with one L, or push business training. They'll find me. I'm across the platforms and I'd love to hear from them. No, absolutely. And we'll put that information, the links on there as well to our wealthtechrebels.com. Go to our episodes page and find the business strategy for building wealth episode with Alison Vidato and that'll all be there. So fantastic. again, thank you so much, Alison. Really had a fantastic discussion with you today. Yes. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you so absolutely. much. Absolutely. And uh, Wealth Tech Rebels, thank you for joining us today. And we'll talk to you again soon. Have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.